Welcome to Inside the Firm, a podcast dedicated to small business owners and hosted by entrepreneurs, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Each week, they take you on their journey of how to start, run, and grow a business by bringing you inside their architecture and real estate development firm. Get a behind-the-scenes tour of how these business leaders manage their clients and foster company culture while creating new and innovative projects. And now your hosts, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Today, I have a very special guest, Zach White. He is known as the premier career coach for engineering leadership. He has worked with hundreds of leaders at top companies worldwide to achieve breakthrough results and avoid burnout. Zach is the founder and CEO of Oasis of Courage, a fast-growing company with unique and proven coaching programs exclusively for engineering and technology professionals. He also hosts a top-rated show, The Happy Engineer Podcast. As a coach for engineering leaders, Zach understands the journey firsthand holding both a bachelor's and master's degree in mechanical engineering and spending over a decade building his career in the Fortune 200. Zach is now affectionately known as the world's best lifestyle engineer and your coach. Zach, welcome to the show. Lance, awesome to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. Pleasure. Pleasure's all on this end. Uh, before we get into do what we do, what you do now, I, I want to know where you came from, where the entrepreneurial spirit really is seated. Was you know, family are you first in the family? following a legacy where does that where does that come from definitely not following a legacy lance if anything it is an unsuspecting unexpected outcome for me to be an entrepreneur today so my mom was a teacher my grandma was a teacher and superintendent and everything i was taught was go to school go get a great job work your 40 you know years uh retire early all that good stuff and so the entrepreneurial spirit was born for me in grad school i was doing my master's in mechanical engineering and we had one course where we could go jump over to the business school and do a, a cognate course there. And there was this engineering entrepreneurship class, mm -hmm. all the fundamentals for technical founders. And so I took this engineering entrepreneurship class in grad school, and it absolutely opened my eyes to a whole nother side of business and engineering life that I had never been exposed to. Started having conversations with some of my buddies and my best friend was a, a serial entrepreneur. It's all he'd ever done and got super curious. So started side hustle companies to start learning while I was building my W2 career mm -hmm. and dabbled, tested, failed, had all these different experiences. And it was not until, you know, over a decade later where my personal failures in my career that led to burnout and some really tough experiences, I became a coach in the healing and growing process coming out of all that and these worlds collided. My engineering background, my coaching skills and passion, and my entrepreneurial spirit. It's like, hey, right at the center of this is a place where my mess can become my message. And I started this business, Oasis of Courage, as a way to take all of what I knew from each of these domains and go help engineers build their career. Could you point, is it possible to point to one singular moment or, or set of moments that inspired that transformative impact now that you're making on leadership uh, engineering leadership yeah there's two moments the first was my rock bottom burnout experience so this is about six years into my career lance and i was the typical straight a student valedictorian crushing it super intelligent wanted to be really successful and so i got to work and i worked hard mm -hmm. and i only had one strategy it was get smarter, work harder. <laughs> that's that's the <laughs> thing that always worked for me in life. Yeah. But that led me down a one-way street to burnout and I never saw it coming. I was 
extremely depressed. I ended up divorced. Life mm. really, you know, n none of the promotions or career success mattered in those moments. Mm -hmm. And the, the recovery from burnout was where I discovered all of the things that I now coach. So that was moment one, was actually going through my own failure. And you'll hear so many entrepreneurs talk about, you know, it's, it's your setback in life that sets you up to go do something great later. Uh, and you just don't see it at the time. So that laid the foundation. I just didn't know it then. Fast forward about six more years, and I was on a weekend, what I call solitude and silence fasting retreat. Just me, by myself, no food, just water only, a three-day fast where I take a blank journal and disappear to have time for myself. Just totally detox my body, my mind, my spirit. And I was in this weekend retreat, and I had what you might call a download. He was just sitting there journaling, praying, thinking about my future, really asking hard questions about what I wanted. And it really was one of those lightning epiphany yeah. moments where I was just sitting with the journal and for almost three hours, I was just scribbling as fast as I could, like all these ideas pouring in about you know, how my engineering career, while it would be really hard to leave that behind, I love engineering, I still do. But I had this sense that I became an engineer not to be an engineer, but mm -hmm. to help engineers. Mm -hmm. And all of it came together. I literally went home and said, okay, honey, I was talking to my wife. So <laughs> I got remarried since then and said, I have this crazy idea that hit me over the weekend. I want to know what you think. <laughs> and I was pretty concerned she would you know, not be on board with this because I made a great income. This would be a huge risk. And it was the exact opposite. She's like, How, why did it take you this long? to get to this point. You know, I've been waiting for this moment. What a good wife. Had something in oh, sorry, yeah. we're, it's already interject and reinterrupt your story, but like, so you were yeah. also, you were still working at as, as a mechanical engineer. Yeah. You're, okay. Yeah, building my career. And honestly, Lance, after that burnout, uh, my career took off. When I made some really important changes about how I approached career and life and my strategies for work, which is what we now coach at Oasis of Courage, I experienced a lot of success. So it was stepping off the, off the train while it was at full speed. And, you know, my mom and people who love me thought I was a little nuts, but uh, I would do it again in a heartbeat and never look back. Why do you think people in the OAC community is, I guess I probably, I'm if I'm going to bring it down, I'll try to level with you here a little bit is like, I, I, maybe not OAC, but like the architect and the engineering community, I think are a lot alike in the sense of their workaholicism and, and Alex and I have always tried to not do that. And we make it very clear at our firm that like you're the, you're here seven to four or you're eight to five. You get, you get to pick. I do not want to see a text an email, anything after 5 PM. I do not want to see anything on, on the, on the weekends. We, and then, then, then we have such a small firm that I've showed just by osmosis of having an open studio. Many times our employees have heard me say, say the following and that is i'll, I'll get it i'll get everyone's will get these clients to say like well could you meet on saturday and I go i can but it's a thousand dollars an hour and then they go oh well what's your regular rate 160 or whatever it is and they go all right we'll take the we can wait till monday <laughs> so so yeah. where do you where do you think this culture starts in our community and why does it continue and, and why have the majority it's I, I mean do you think we're at a tipping point where people are starting to go towards what you and i seems like where you line mm -hmm. on or, or where is that? Where is that? Unpack that. Lance, let's talk about the two extremes. So first extreme would be the small firm just getting started. And you know, the founder or founding team has come through that really challenging startup phase of hustling 
to get revenue, to get to a place of profitability, cover their own salaries, pay the bills, keep the lights on, right? Anybody who's done it knows that is a scary and challenging phase of entrepreneurship for every business and everybody handles it differently. But the fact is we tend on the whole, unless you're very fortunate to start on day one with a great client base, maybe you brought that with you from another, another role or something, but generally you are in a, a more fearful, more hustle type of mode. And I think what tends to happen is we, we get into a habit an energy a conditioning as the leadership team that like, this is the way we operate. And, and so you start hiring those first team members. And even though you're well-intentioned consciously to create a great culture, subconsciously, which is 95% of how we show up every day, right? Your subconscious mind is driving the bus. We're way more habit driven than we realize. And you don't see that you're actually setting the example of a culture that is a workaholic culture that you had been living out of need before. Mm. And even though you don't need to now, it's still there. And it's very difficult to shift that because culture is a top-down thing. So that's like extreme one is you're coming into a business that's growing where the way we got here was this, and that hasn't changed yet. So I see that all the time, especially in your know, small engineering firms, small architecture firms, where that startup mindset has not uh, adapted into, hey, we actually are thriving now and it's okay to go home at five o'clock. On the other side is the big business, you know, I'll call it the elephants, right? Like they're, they're crushing it. These are the big organizations. And frankly, I think the humanity of that is, is just lacking. We're so incentivized by shareholder profits and going and driving the business, the company will take as much as you're willing to give. And if you rely on an individual manager who's trapped in these middle layers of the, the organization, who's trying to keep their boss happy and their team happy to establish the culture, it, it doesn't work. And it's a very individual, courageous decision <laughs> to say, no, I'm going to draw a boundary and when the company will let you sit there as long as you're willing to sit there. And you see the memes of, you know, five people sitting at computers in the <laughs> office at five o'clock and they're all thinking the same thing. I don't want to be the first one to leave. Yeah. because I want to make sure my boss thinks well of me, but they're all thinking it and nobody has the guts to just say I'm out. And so I think we see it on both ends and you know, the sweet spot in the middle, it's, it's not like everybody is in a great place there, but the most happy engineering leaders and architects I know tend to be in that middle zone where yeah. they're not lost in a big business culture that chews them up, spits them out, burns them out. And they're not following in the footsteps of a founder who's still a total workaholic. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm curious about, so like our method to try to keep that culture that, that I, I just explained in, in place and, and lead by example is we do something called, we read Paul Aker's book and it's called the two second lean. So we have these two second lean meetings and we try to really, and we've always been that way, sort of subconsciously, the way we set up our, our, our CAD template and Revit and, and how, and how we operate for that. What kind of strategies, without giving too much away in what you guys do with Oasis of Courage, is like, is there, is that what you guys have to then tool up the people that you coach is like, look, in order to make, like, we understand engineering, architecture, all of these, these things, like we love our jobs. We love to solve problems. Yeah. We love to do the math, we, it, all of that stuff. And so we just get, it's like being an artist. It really is like my son's yeah. an artist and he's like, dad, sorry, I can't go to bed at 10. Like I, I put on music, I start making art and I can't stop. What kind of strategies are, do you guys try to help people in coaching to, to get them to get that thing working for them? Because I got to assume there's something similar to what we do 
in order to make it so you can have a work-life balance. Yeah. Lance, there is a difference in the way I would approach coaching an organization versus coaching an individual. And the majority of what I do is coach the individual. So I'm going to focus there sure. because organizationally, I love what you just described, right? What, what are the systems, uh, mm -hmm. the ways that we operate organizationally that create an environment that supports the values, right? And, and that is a really important thing to sync up and align. It's, it's, it's easy to say we have this value of balance. But when the actual way we do the work and, you know, you mentioned how we conduct meetings, how we set up, you know, even our, our CAD, et cetera, like those things need to align to the value. So that's an organizational topic. But as an individual, I'm, I'm very clear with my clients. We want to adapt, not adopt the solution. Meaning like everybody will tell you here, here's the recipe. Here's Zach's special way of exactly how to find perfect balance and never burn out. But the fact is Zach's perfect way is not Lance's perfect way. Yeah. And, and I may really want to work 40 hours and get home and spend more time with my family. You may really want to work 50 or 60 hours and accelerate your career, or your business. And maybe you don't even have a family and you're okay with that right now. That's, that's a decision that aligns with your values and your vision for life. So, I'm always careful with clients to say, here's the recipe because it's predicated on those two things, your values and your vision. So starting point is let's back up before we install a solution. Do we have a clear problem statement? Do we know what you're solving for? What drives your fulfillment, your happiness, your growth? And then we can go plug in the tactics. And you know, even just today, I posted a poll on LinkedIn. Do you know, is yours about boundaries? Some people like that's their answer. At five o'clock, everything gets turned off. The phone goes on, do not disturb. And I don't plug in again. There's other leaders out there who much prefer to blur the lines. You know, at 3 PM, they're on a zoom call with their, their nephew checking in about school and soccer practice. And at 6 PM, they're on their phone, replying to emails and, and they just love to flow between. You got to know yourself and how, what works for you. And then the company culture and what works for your company and adapt a set of solutions. So I wish I had the silver bullet, but the fact is everybody needs to do the work themselves. Take a sense of radical responsibility for your own experience, your own happiness. I, I to be fair to you, I think you actually explained the silver bullets and, and I guess, I mean, or a bullet, like knowing yourself and the boundaries. I mean, I really started to think about like, okay, wh where would I fall into that? I, I would actually kind of be a hybrid of both because I don't mind. Yeah. Like I've been, there's many times where I've been in Europe, like on Europe, in uh, my honeymoon with my wife, I was still on my phone, but like answering thumbtack, you know, inquiries or something, something like that, still answering questions in the field. Uh, so yeah, but I think it really starts with that. Like, that's very interesting that you I mean, yeah. that, that really seems like the nexus point for it. You you helped coach some very large firms or people from very large firms, like like Facebook yeah. and, and Apple and stuff like that. I would I would love to hear about a story without naming names of somebody bringing somebody to success, like pulling them sort of out of this self-inflicted hell of working way too much and burning out and getting a divorce and then, you know, having to get remarried and stuff like that. If you could point to a story of success, I would love to hear it. Absolutely. Uh, full permission to share this from this client. He actually has a okay. video on my website talking about it. His name's Mauricio. And when Mauricio and I first met, he was on that one way street to burnout. So, Sunday afternoon, 
dreading going into work the next day, that feeling of like the weekend ends before it's over. If you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. He had that kind of experience. He was really unclear about what he wanted to do next in his career. He'd been bumping up against the invisible ceiling in terms of promotions. He was at Spotify at the time and just being told a lot of the same runaround HR nonsense, keep doing what you're doing, you're doing great, you're next in line, da da da, but nothing ever happening in terms of career growth and asking the question like, do I even wanna be a director or should I just go back to writing code? That's the last time I can remember being happy at work was writing code. And all of that negativity around career then started affecting his personal life. His marriage was struggling, you know, family time, not good. His health, not good. Sleeping, not good. So you can see the picture. This is one of those things where it's like, I really need to make a change. Nothing's working. And there's a saying in coaching, Lance, that how you do anything mm -hmm. is how you do everything. And he was in that place. Nothing's working. So we started talking through this and going back to that foundation, right? Okay, well, what do you deeply value? What is your vision of success? What is the purpose that drives your life and career that when you're aligned to it, it lights you up, right? Some of that inner work. And as we answered those harder questions, the, the principled questions, the deeper questions, he realized where how he was showing up every day in the office was totally misaligned with who he was as a person. Hmm. And, and we started making shifts in his behavior. We started making shifts in what he asked for from his leadership and started sort of drawing in new boundaries. Say, so here's what I will do and here's what I won't do as far, in terms of how I show up in my career. Not only did that create a massive turnaround in his joy and happiness day to day, which impacted his marriage in a positive way, which impacted his health in a positive way, but his own confidence to go get to the next level started multiplying. And next thing you know, he lands a dream job at Meta where he's tackling a huge team, doing work that he loves. And it's like two different people, the before and after. But, but Lance, here's the thing. There were no extra degrees. He didn't get smarter about engineering. He didn't you know, do some sort of heroic thing that put him on a pedestal. No, it, it was just this awareness of how life kind of beats you up. You fall out of good habits. Yeah. You start adapting or, or, or taking on, I should say, the conditioning and the values of the culture or the company rather than honoring your own. And when he took responsibility for that, it was just a massive shift. And you know, of course, his income is growing and all these other areas of life that we tend to point to as success. But it's, it's in the opposite order, Lance. Everybody wants the big promotion, the big paycheck, the big fill-in-the-blank successful thing that we look at externally. But you got to do the internal work first if you want the external reward to last. You can be really rich and unhappy. <laughs> and that, to me, that's not success. Oh, 100%. Yeah. It, that's, I mean, Owen Benjamin, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Owen. I don't know if you know who that is. He's kind of this banned, sort of blacklisted uh, comedian, which then gives him this sort of freedom to just say whatever he wants. Say which whatever is he needs. Usually, usually, <laughs> it's, on, it's usually the truth. And he had been in Hollywood, he'd been in five movies, met with, you know, used to be friends with Joe Rogan, stuff like that. And he contends that the richest people in the world are the most miserable. And, it, and it's because they put money over everything instead of their family, their friends, their wife, their kids, you know, the chickens, all that, all that crazy stuff. So I'm with you 100% there. Uh, if an architect was listening to this episode and they said, I want, I am, I am hearing Lance and Zach, I need to, I am, I need to be pulled out of this self-inflicted hell. Would your coaching method be the same for them? And like, is it, I mean, are you open to that? Have you worked with any architects? Yeah. And it would be the same because what we call lifestyle engineering is really independent of where you go to work every day 
It's more about how we think and act and how our personalities and our conditioning as STEM professionals, you know, whether you're a chemist, uh, you have that kind of mindset and you're working in chemistry, or if you're an engineer, or if you're an architect, we all have the same patterns and how our educational process conditions us coming into the workplace and then the careers that we have. So, you know, a lot of these concepts you could argue are universal to all humans. But there are unique things, you know, engineers and architects and scientists, mathematicians, like you ask somebody who's not one of those, like paint the stereotype there, there's, there are things that are true about us that are different. And so yeah. we need to tailor our approach to our way of being in the world, how to get out of that ivory tower of our IQ and learn how to understand ourselves and the world around us in a, in a, in a different way. So in that regard, you know, it's different from if I was coaching, you know, somebody who's an artist, right? But, and I don't coach those people because frankly, they, they can be better served by somebody who knows exactly what that type of person sure. is like. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the methodology is the same. It's just then how we take that and apply it into your context is where we would see differences. I'm looking at your at your bookshelf behind you there, and I can't help but notice two uh, two one, two of them stick out right for me because I've read both of them, Good to Great and Drive. Yeah. But on yeah. the note of what you just described of like, coming down from the high IQ ivory tower sort of thing. Like that's a problem with architects, problem with engineers, lawyers, like anybody who's the higher level, even doctors, the higher level professional, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. like the whitest of the white collars, what I'm getting at. What, what, uh, why I'm citing the books is like, there's a book that I read that changed my life. It's called train your empathy. I highly recommend it for everybody. What you're sort of describing is like, I, th I think, and I, so I'm curious about is you're trying to get people to be a little bit more empathetic even to themselves. So they just understand themselves better. But I think they're probably trying to understand other people too. Where does empathy come into play in your coaching? You could probably reverse that question, Lance, and ask where does empathy not come into play? Because to your point, if we are not willing to know ourselves, mm -hmm. you know, Socrates gets credit, but it's not a new concept. And by the way, it's not an automatic thing. Everybody just takes as a base assumption that you know yourself. Yeah. Well, if, if you really haven't done the work, you probably don't. And so that takes a level of self-empathy to your point, a willingness to associate out of just a, an idea or a theory in our mind and get into an experience and an emotion in your heart you know, that's a big gap between the head and the heart for a lot of technical professionals. And so that that's a big step by itself. But then to take that and apply it into the world around you in a way that actually creates meaningful results. It's not about fluffy woo woo, like just feel good stuff. It really isn't. I mean, I care about results as much as anybody. I, I want you to crush it on your goals. But at the same time, you know, if, if we seek to solve every problem, with an equation, if we want to IQ our way to success, you're going to continue to bump up against the exact same barriers and hurdles and things mm -hmm. that cause a lot of the problems and stressors in our life today. And so, yeah, Lance, you're 100% empathy matters and, and great book that you recommended, by the way. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, tell us about like, where was how did the mechanical engineering background come in? Like, how did that fuse into your coaching? And then what shortcomings did you find since you know yourself, what shortcomings did you find that you had where you're like, ah, but there's some extra things I need to add into the mix here to become a more holistic kind of coach for the community you serve? Well, mechanical engineering is where it started and coaching entered my life after my own burnout. I was first seeing a counselor 
to work mm-hmm. through the grief, you know, seeing a psychotherapist and, and the healing and recovery of what was going on in my life, the, the embarrassment and the depression and all those things. But I also hired my first coach at that time because Lance, the desire to be successful did not go away just because I totally failed. I still wanted more out of life, but I had this fear, like, I still want that, but I never want to experience this again. So there has to be a different way. And my therapist actually recommended that I hire a coach to work on that forward-looking strategy. You know, therapy being more about the healing and recovery of our past, coaching about planning, executing, and accelerating our future. So I hired my first coach and I fell in love with the process of being coached. It was a huge accelerant to my success. And so I just said, oh my goodness, if this worked for me so well, I want to go train as a coach so that I can coach the engineers who work for me. Because I was a manager in my engineering career and just thought, if it was this effective for me and I'm crushing it, I'd love to be able to use this skill set as a leader to help my team. So I started doing coach training, honestly, just as a a selfish thing to be better at my job. It was all about my engineering career. And you know, you start seeing other people get results and then you start having people who are not even on my team asking me for half hour coffees and hour mentorship sessions and like, Hey, how are you doing this? Hey, so-and-so said you helped them with this. Hey, can, can you talk about my core values with me? So you know, so-and-so said that was really powerful. And of, you know, the, the entrepreneur started noticing like, huh, everybody wants this. So I started charging people who were not on my team, obviously like you know, trying to separate these things. It's like, maybe this will stop people from asking. Well, no, they were happy to pay for it. Oh my gosh. It's like, okay, okay, well then there's, there's something here. And that's when Oasis of Courage, you know, that, that weekend I talked about earlier was born, but, um, never could have told you this was going to happen. It was not planned. Yeah. You know, it was all just piece by piece. And like Steve Jobs says, you connect the dots looking back, not looking forward. You said there was a word you said earlier and bringing it back up because it was, you said praying. So what you just described to me sounds like a lot like Providence and especially when it happens organically like that. So it seems like somebody, you know, who put you here to do that sort of, and like you even like you, you, by serving people, you were getting rewarded, but you're, it wasn't even in your intention. You were saying like, I'm just trying to, it's like my thousand dollar, uh, an hour on a weekend thing, like go away. And they're like, no, I still want you. That's that's an amazing detail. I'm, I'm glad we could pull that out of you. Talk, let's talk about a little bit of the podcast before we get to my last two yeah. questions here. If you could highlight one episode, maybe illustrating um, the engineering success principles from your Lifestyle Engineering Blueprint podcast, that would be great. And I realize that's a tough on-the-spot question, but if you could pull anything out, that would be great. Yeah, well, uh, the best place to go if you just want the sampler of what lifestyle engineering is about my principles beliefs and great content from the podcast is to go to episode 100 because we actually did a smash up of my 10 favorite moments from 100 episodes of the podcast so these are all principles that i really deeply believe in complete golden nuggets of value for any leader in architecture engineering science so it's a good place to go that in one episode you can consume a really broad spectrum of some of the key ideas to help you be successful at work but also maintain this lifestyle and balance that really matters to most people Um, and yeah i think then that can be a springboard to say which of those clips did you love you can go back and listen to the entire episode if it if it interests you Uh, i hope everybody does that 
And I am actually, as soon as I get off this uh, interview with you, I'm going to find that episode myself and I'm going to send it to everybody in our firm and have them listen to it. Um, fa fantastic. Like you, you've, awesome. you've sold me. There was even one employee that I'm going to maybe send your way um, because I think they could benefit. I think it's like Alex and I can only take it so far. We're not, we're not doing it for a living like you. You're better adept at that for sure. I'm happy to you know, recognize our shortcomings. Two last questions. I here, appreciate Jack. that, man. Yeah, yeah. Two last questions here before we get off. Is uh, first one is knowing what you know now. If you go back in time when you first started your your coaching business, what is one piece of advice you give your former self? On the coaching business itself, the the most important thing that I did not know on day one that I would go back and spend way more time on is the the model the business model right I, I knew what the product was the service i knew how to coach i was very good at coaching on day one and if you put me in the room with someone or with a group of someone's could make an impact and could deliver the value that was never a problem you know in a, in a way if you can't deliver value you probably don't need to be starting a business yet right but the thing that i didn't understand was how to design a model for the coaching business that would scale and mm. prevent me from having to work crazy hours and you know really thinking about end to end from the marketing and lead generation all the way through the sale and then delivery of that value. I had some ideas, but it was really unclear. So I would say, you know, people think strategy and and model might be a subset of strategy, but I was so wound up thinking about the strategy around how to coach, how to help people succeed more and more. It was the engineer in me, so product centric. And I just took for granted that people would naturally want to learn more about it and the marketing would be easy. And you know, anybody who's listening knows, like, what a joke, not easy at all. So the model really, really matters. I love uh, Business Model Generation, that book by um, Alex Osterwilder. And there's so many other great resources, but I would have benefited a ton from a better business model up front. So that, that would be the biggest game changer. It has since you know, caused explosion in terms of our success by tweaking that. Yeah, I'm sure it has. Yeah, the, yeah, the ability scales very difficult for like a service-based business like yourself, especially when it's all coming totally. from you. I'm with you. Yeah. Zach, this has been fantastic. If people want to check you out, if they want to maybe sign up and work with you or listen to the show, where can people find and follow you? Yeah. Well, the Happy Engineer podcast is a great place. If any of this conversation resonates in episode 100, we already mentioned. So wherever you're listening to Inside the Firm, just pop over and subscribe to the Happy Engineer. I think you'll love it. But if you are an architect, engineer, you know, STEM professional who wants to explore what would it look like to hit the gas on career success, business success, but make sure that I maintain or even improve the lifestyle that I love. Mm -hmm. We'd love to support you in that. So as an offer and a thank you for listening to Lance and me for this conversation, we'd love to give you a free coaching session to dig into that and build a roadmap for you. So if you want that, grab your phone and just text the word lifestyle, that one word lifestyle to 55444. It's that short code. So lifestyle to 55444. We'll send you a link. We're going to have a quick 15-minute chat to get some basics, and then we'll set you up with a free 75-minute coaching session if it's a fit to support you in getting where you want to go. Very cool. Zach, thanks so much. God bless your journey. We really appreciate what you're doing. I think you're just making such a positive impact on our community and the world at large. Appreciate your time, bud. Thanks, Lance. You too, brother.